Someone who's a natural talker can be a good salesperson, but they first got to learn how to not talk so much <laughs> and instead ask questions and listen. You're listening to the Flip My Funnel podcast, a daily podcast dedicated to helping B2B marketing, sales, and customer success professionals become masters of their craft. It's Monday, and in these episodes, you'll hear Sangram interview incredible practitioners, thought leaders, and entrepreneurs within our community. And like Sangram always says, without a community, you are simply a commodity. Here we go. Sangram here. Welcome to another fun episode of Flip My Fold podcast. Back by popular demand, Bob Berg is back with us. We have talked about the Go-Giver series that Bob wrote uh, with his co-author and it's fantastic. I've shared that book with I don't know how many people. I think I should get some royalty checks from you on that one too, Bob. But it was, it's so awesome because in many ways, that is one of the very few books where you're not getting preached. You're learning through the conversations of it, and you can clearly identify yourself. So please go pick one of the go-givers, if not all of them. But today, we want to talk more about his latest book, The Go-Giver Influencer. So Bob, welcome to the show, and let's start with a fun fact about yourself. Thank you, and thanks for having me back on again. I enjoyed our first conversation, and I, I always enjoy speaking with you. Uh, a fun fact about me, I mean, there are different facts about me. I don't know how many of them are necessarily fun, but I would say one that surprises people is that I'm very much an introvert. So when I'm not on stage, uh, I would much rather, in fact, when I'm speaking, when I'm out of, uh, you know, when I'm out of town speaking, as soon as I'm, it's over, I'm back in my hotel room when I, when, you know, and having room service, when I get there the night before, I don't mingle with just, you know, yeah. room service, I'm pretty much by myself. When I'm in town, you know, other than going to Dunkin' Donuts for a cup of coffee and bringing a book along to read, I'm pretty much right here. So very, very much a, uh, an introvert. So has this put you in a much more of, because clearly this book is doing well. I mean, I probably forgot mentioning, but I definitely think it's like national bestseller and it's a Wall Street best. Like, well, you know, where, how's the book doing? Well, the Go-Giver itself is, is sold close to a million. We're, we're approaching the million mark. And uh, all the Go-Giver books that John and I have co-authored together is uh, somewhere around a million and a half or something like that. Um, so, yeah, we're very happy with that. We're very grateful to all our readers. And they've been so wonderful about referring it and passing it along to others. But it hasn't changed. You know, even before then, I was still out speaking. I've been a speaker now for, I guess, about 30 years or so. Yeah. And was in sales, certainly before that. And, <laughs> uh, but no, you know, yeah, I don't think being an introvert hurts in terms of, of sales or in terms of speaking or in terms of being, because when I'm in the public eye, that's what I'm doing. And I enjoy very much being on stage and do, and even the, the meets and greets when you have to do that, that's fine. I'm a very friendly person, but I derive my energy from being alone or with a, with a couple trusted friends. And, yeah. you know, so, you know, I don't, I don't derive my energy from being in a crowd and, and, you know, yeah. so, and I think that's more than anything else. So, but yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm so exciting. Most Friday nights find me uh, reading a book. Yeah, uh, that is right awesome. Yeah. You know, and you may have already not realizing this might have inspired a lot of people already with this two minutes of conversation, because I feel a lot of people in sales, a lot of people in marketing feel like well, sales got to be an extrovert kind of thing. And they got to be like, you know, selling lemonades before lemonade was a thing kind of people. 
And I know some of the salespeople at our company, like we went from about three co-founders to, to about 200 people. And um, they're incredible salespeople that I worked with from, from day one. Some of them, now that I think about it, are introverts. They, they, they only, they, they are kind of to themselves and they are very good, as you said, friendly in every way, but they are very much like they would rather just focus in and have deeper conversations with yeah. few people. So when That's you said a couple of people, they actually are having deeper conversations with their customers and, and they're in that thought. So I think in some ways, I feel like you've already inspired some people listening. Well, you, well, you make a great point in what you said. And, and I think there's something else too. There's a, a, there's a false premise, I believe, that those who like to talk make the best salespeople. And I remember being in a line once and there was a, a little kid that was, um, you know, talking a lot, making a lot of noise. And I remember somebody kind of, you know, with a wink in their voice saying something to someone else in line, well, he'll make a, he'll make a great salesman one day. And yeah. of course, the premise was because he's a talker, he'd yeah. make a great sales. Well, we know that's not the case. Yeah. Someone who's a natural talker can be a good salesperson, but they first got to learn how to not talk so much <laughs> and instead ask questions and listen. So I think people who are introverted or even people who are, you know, not, not Gabby, if you will, I think they have a, a much more natural advantage when it comes to sales because, you know, we would rather kind of put the focus yeah. on the other person. Yes. And so, uh, yeah, I, you know, I mean, so I, I think that's a false premise that is, never died and probably never will because I think it's just natural to think, oh, somebody, you know, talk, 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 talk. <laughs> and well, this brings to a really good, good segue into the book premise of Go-Giver, which is to kind of put the other person in front and put the focus on the other person. So what prompted you to, did this whole series, just to, before we get into the influencer and the, the five principles that you lay out in the book around that, which are phenomenal people should, should pick away. A couple of them I really want us to dive deeper in in the next few minutes. But I'm just curious from just book writing perspective, did you, did, when you wrote the first book uh, on the Go-Giver series, did you think it was a series or the first book, the success led to the second book, led to the third book? Well, the, the first book now was just supposed to be one book. Once it hit as big as we did, uh, as, as much as as big as it did, yeah. we then knew it was going to be a series. We knew that there were going to be other books in the series. So there are four altogether. Three of them are parables. And so, but but yeah, the first one we wrote, no, we just we thought it was a you know a, a, a one one off or a one and done or yeah. whatever you want. One and done. Yeah. All right. So let's talk about the go giver influencer. One of the things that you mentioned in this book is the idea of agreement and disagreement and how people actually agree with people or the fact that they don't disagree. Like, I mean, I was lost in some of those words and then I had to take a moment back and like, ah, oh, yes, exactly right. And then I could start thinking about it. Could you expand on that? Yeah, well, you know, you think of, uh, of let's say the political situation today, <laughs> yeah. which has been going on for quite a while, but, but has gotten kind of even, let's put it this way. It used to be, I'm right, you're wrong. Now, that was never ideal, but yeah. it was doable. It was workable, okay? I'm right, you're wrong. Now it's different. Now it's, I'm right, you're evil. <laughs> Big difference, why? Because if you believe, you know, you're right, the other person's wrong, you'll still engage with that person. You'll still be friends with that person. 
you'll still respect other aspects of that person, even if you don't agree necessarily with a particular stance, because you're right, they're wrong, or I'm right, you're wrong, you know, what have you, okay? Again, it's not the best way to approach it, but it's doable, it's workable. Right. But when it's, I'm right, you're evil, now that's different, because you, well, I say you, you know, we, us, one, will not even engage with someone we, someone we believe is evil. Why? Well, they're evil. They have no redeeming qualities. It doesn't matter what else. They're evil. They're, they believe in something that is so horrible and disgusting, right? Yeah. And typically, it's just not the case. And whether someone is, is a Democrat or a Republican, and I have friends on both, I'm neither, but I have friends on, on both sides of the aisle. I'm libertarian myself. So, so um, I have friends on both sides of the aisle, okay? Mm-hmm. And I'll just tell you, I know no Republican and no Democrat who wants to see the world go horrible. You know what I'm saying? Right, right. They all, they're all, they all want the people, the, the best intentions. In many course, ways. Absolutely. Now, of course, on both sides, there are some real maniacs. I mean, but that's life. You know, there are always those people. But I'm talking about the 99.9% of the people right. out there. They they see the world in a certain way. Yeah. Okay, and that. And, and, and that directs their beliefs in that way. But most people, as I see on the left, on the right, they'd like to, to live in a country where people are, are healthy and they're prosperous and they're free and they're, everyone's able to live their lives as, and, and pursue happiness as they see fit, providing they don't uh, trample upon the rights of others. Okay, now, right. what we've got to understand is people define freedom, liberty, health, prosperity in different ways Mm. okay now if we see that now we can say okay how are they defining yeah now we can check our premises now we can ask questions and listen and understand what their intent is and why the way they see getting to that intent isn't the way that we would when we you know, there was a wonderful book written uh, several years ago, and, and I, I recommend this to everyone. It's by a Dr. Jonathan Haidt, uh, Professor Haidt, H-A-I-D-T, but he pronounces it Haidt, and it's called The Righteous Mind. Mm. And he delves into why the left thinks as it does and why the right thinks as it does, mm. and how they often define the same word very differently. And it made a big difference to him because he began one way. And as he began really wanting to know more about that other, why they thought the way they thought, all of a sudden he saw their humanity. Mm. And so, and I think this is key. And so I I believe the reason John and I wrote this book and put it, put an emphasis on, on influence is because of the way and not just in politics, but even in business, as people communicate. For example, in the story, there were, you know there was Jackson and there was Jillian, and they were trying to come together on a business deal. Now, the interesting thing is that each of them had what the other wanted. Yeah. And so it should have been a business marriage made in heaven. And yet every conversation, they got further apart. That is so interesting you say that because isn't that the case in almost all work environments where you would almost ex- and then I like you know I get to choose as a co-founder I get to see things uh, like happen this all the time at all different team levels where I feel like I only wish this person and that person could like just 
work together really well because that mm-hmm. person is a genius when it comes to ideas. He is a dreamer. She is incredible driver. And if both of them work together, a dreamer driver combination, they're going to like, you know, we're going to go forward faster. But the problem is they just don't see eye to eye. Right. And they're focused probably on themselves and why they think the way they think, as opposed to trying to really get into the head of, when I say get into the head of, I mean in a positive way, in a way in yeah. which you really care. Get into the head of the other person and see what it is they want, what they need, what they desire, what they're thinking, what they're feeling, why they feel or think the way they do. Right. And that's really what we're talking about in this book. I mean, that is the, the, the essence of it. And, you know, because we look at the word influence, okay? Mm-hmm. And again, as, as you can, I let, you know, I'm always checking premises and defining terms. And it's probably really annoying to people. That's <laughs> probably the other unfun fact. I'm always saying, okay, why do you think, right? And what does that really mean? Yeah. yeah what does that really it's, mean? It's because let's say the word influence is often is used so often now, right? And so on a so let's take influence on two levels. Mm-hmm. All right. On a very, very basic level, we can define influence as simply the ability to move a person or persons to a desired action, usually within the context of a specific goal. That's its, that's its definition, but that's not its substance. That's not its essence. Mm. The essence of influence is pull. Pull as opposed to push, as in how far can you push a rope? Mm. And the answer is not very far, at least not very fast or very effectively, which is why great influencers don't push. You never hear someone say, wow, that David or that Julie, she is so influential. She has a lot of push with people. No, she's influential. She has a lot of pull with people. People get attracted to that person. Attractive, right. Pull is an, exactly, pull is an attraction. Great influencers, who we call genuine influencers, attract people first from themselves Mm. and then to their ideas. Now, the question then is, how do they do this? Mm. What is pull? You know, how does that pull really work? And I believe that great influencers understand on a, not just an intellectual level, but on a heart level, Mm. the, the, what I believe was Dale Carnegie's underlying premise in his landmark book, classic, How to Win Friends and Influence People. And this is where Mr. Carnegie wrote, ultimately, people do things for their reasons, not our reasons, mm-hmm. right? Uh, in, in, the, in, the, in the selling, uh, not process, but in the uh, selling vernacular, I also often, when I speak at a sales conference, I'll say, I'll begin by saying, nobody's going to buy from you because you have a quota to yeah. me. <laughs> they're not going to buy from you because you need the money and they're not even going to buy from you because you're a really nice person. They're going to buy from you because they believe they will be better off by doing so than by not doing so. And that's mm-hmm. the only reason why we should ever expect someone to, to buy from yeah. us. Yeah. So what we're doing when we, when we take Mr. Carnegie's or Mr. Carnegie's advice and we understand that about people doing things for their reasons then the genuine influencers ask themselves questions they say okay so how does what i'm asking this person to do how does it align with their goals Mm. how does it align with their wants with their needs with their desires how does what i want this other person to do how does it align with their values 
What problems of theirs am I helping them to solve? How am I helping their life to be better? How am I helping them to feel better about themselves? Now, when we ask ourselves these questions thoughtfully, intelligently, genuinely, authentically, not as a way to manipulate uh, another human being into doing our will, but as a way of building everyone in the process, you've come a lot closer to earning that person's commitment Mm. as opposed to trying to depend on some type of compliance or manipulation or, or what have you. So, you know, I think that's really what it's all about. I love that. I love that. And I think the, the, I think every salesperson listening to this, who's said, Hey, nobody's going to buy from you because you have a quota. I think they're going to resonate that because that's, uh, you know, that is so, so true. One of the things you also have in this book, and I wish we could go through all of them, but like this one that really hit home for me was this idea of let go of being right. Uh, Of having to, yeah, let go of having to be right now and see, and that's a great question because it, it brings up the question. So are you, so, I mean, if you're trying to influence, are you saying you don't care about being right? Of course you care about yeah. being right. You prefer to be right. What we mean is you let go of your attachment mm. to having to be right or even having to be 100% right. And when you do this, when you do this, what happens is this. First, you create the environment where you can now go into learner's mode. I right. Like that. Because if you will not let go of that, then if you are so totally convinced or attached to having to be right, you can't learn anything. Why would you have to learn? You're already 100% right. Yeah. So and this is like the person, and we often see this, again, going back to politics, but it could just as easily be a, a potential client who, you know, it's like their mind's made up. Don't try confusing them with the facts. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? And there's a big difference. So when you're first, so first you're able to go into learner's mode, which means you can learn something more. You can learn something else. Can I go back to politics for one more moment? Go for it. Go for it. Okay. I often say to people who are, let's, and we're going to take both sides of the, 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 the aisle, so to speak. Yeah. I'll say to conservatives, you know, instead of watching just Fox News, watch CNN as well. I watch say that all the priests. Yeah, not because, and, and, if, and if, of course, if you're a, a progressive or a liberal, then watch Fox. And, and, and here's what I'm saying. Don't watch it because you have to agree with it. You don't have to agree with it at all. But, but watch it just so you can kind of try to understand why yeah. they're saying what they do, what they might be feeling. Why, why would they think this thing? Yeah. You know, what's, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. And I think the word that you used before was like you, because I have told, said that to others and I myself have done it. And I've seen people do it saying, all right, let's just look at this. And they're not genuinely trying to understand. When you're not genuinely trying to understand, which is what your real point of all of this is, that you are listening not to say, hey, look at that. They just twisted that whole thing. No, no, no. They're not just trying to twist this. They actually are human just like you, and they care uh-huh. about certain issues just like you. Yeah. And they are looking at it from a completely different point of view. Yeah. That's the point of all of it. Uh, but a lot of times we, yeah, we, we, we hear, I think, what we want to hear. Oh, confirmation bias is a, you know, is a thing, right? What, yeah. What's confirmation bias? It, it's simply a state of mind that's very unconscious, okay, that said that when we come across information that is congruent with what we already believe, we accept it as fact. 
Yeah. When we come across new information that is not congruent with our already held beliefs, we ignore it. Yeah. You see this all the time. Now, there's so when we let go of having to be right, not only can we learn more, which actually puts us in a stronger position, but yeah. the person who we're working with here, we're dealing with or we're debating with or we're, what have you, this person comes to understand that yeah. you're not just looking to be right, that you're not looking to be right by making them wrong but that right. you're speaking true. And when that's the case, they're much more likely to drop their defensiveness, to lose their, their innate resistance to you, because, right? And, and much more likely to be open themselves. So we actually you know, are the person who is able to, to set the frame for this, yeah. uh, you know, for this mutual understanding. Is the best way, I'm, I'm just trying to think about like somebody listening to this now thinking like, okay, I get it. I need to understand the different person's perspective, who they are, what they are, and to be a better listener. Is the implicit thought here is that you just need to be better at also asking questions in a way that it makes it, it doesn't make, it's like, you know, you can ask open-ended, closed-ended questions, or you can ask like more of like, is that what you really meant? Like, you know, you can ask the same question in so many different ways that the other person will either get defensive about it, and now you're not going to get the truth, and you're going to get more of a reaction, as opposed to genuinely asking questions. Is there an art and thesis around how do you ask questions to really be genuinely interested? Yeah, and this is where tact and empathy really come into play. Because, you know, tact, my dad has always defined tact as the language of strength. Uh, and, and I've always enjoyed that definition because to me, it takes a lot of strength to be tactful, to, to think for a moment before you speak, right? To can, or, or before you send that email or that tweet or that, right? It takes strength to, to even edit your speech a little bit before you speak. Now, we can do that quickly, but that's when we build up the habit. Yeah, of, of speaking tactfully. You know what I'm saying? When it's not really part of our being, we've got to really think about it. So, um, but when we, when we do that now, when it becomes naturally a part of us, now we're able to have conversations and we're able to do this and we don't have, because it's just how we, we do it. But, you know, tact is really communicating a, a, a point to someone that they may normally be, be uncomfortable with or strongly disagree with, but yeah. doing it in such a way that rather than being defensive, as, as he said, defensive toward you and resistant to your idea, they're open to you and perhaps more accepting of your idea or at least getting to know more about why you yep. feel the way you do. But then that, so tact and empathy is really so very important. That's amazing. All right. So we keep coming up to 20 minutes. So I'm, I literally took like, you could probably see like five pages of notes on this thing. A lot of good stuff. So I hope everybody takes, uh, again, we'll have links to the show notes for the Go-Giver series uh, and an influencer. So a couple of big ideas for me to learn from it. And then, Bob, I'd love for you to share a challenge that people could take home. Number one, this whole idea of asking questions empathetically, listening, and understanding. And what I think you underlined at the end of it was leads to humanity. And I hope everybody kind of breathes in and takes a moment of pause to recognize that it is only human to do all these things. And if you don't do this, it actually makes the other person feel like you're evil. And, and that's really the, the thing that we're trying to avoid here. So if you really care about humanity, you will and should ask questions. You will and should 
listen and you will and should seek to understand. So I, I felt like that definition to connecting to humanity was a good one. Uh, something something to think about. Think about. The second one, how oh man, this is so good. Um, you talked about that the definition of influence in many ways is to get like getting others to do your desired action or your design uh, or whatever you want them to do for you. But the, really the influence is to pull people, to attract people to you so that your ideas could spread and your ideas. So if you have ideas and if you have a point of view and if you want to stand for something, um, I think it's really important to understand the language of pull and something that I think you will see throughout the book that Bob, Bob wrote. Uh, and finally, I, I love this quote of saying that nobody's going to buy from you because uh, you, you have a quota at the end of the month or the quarter. Uh, they're going to really look into you because they believe that you, they are better off with you and your solution than anything else. So I love all of those things. There are going to be several show notes and blog on it. Don't flip my funnel. Bob, what's the one challenge you want to share with everybody? Well, I think the challenge we can kind of take from what we were discussing today, and that is the next time you hear someone say something, and again, whether politically or any other ways, yeah. is just to before, when you, when or if you feel yourself kind of getting a little defensive or a little bit angry, stop for a moment mm -hmm. and just ask, okay, why am I feeling that way? Why do I need to feel that way? That's just another person's thought, okay? And then... How could I discover from that person the impetus of their thoughts? How yeah. can I go back in and really kind of discover? Just yeah. like when we're, when we're in the selling process, we discover the other person's needs, wants, desires before we can add any kind of insight, right? First need to, right? So yeah. let's discover. Let's look at that challenge will be to, you know, to drop the defensiveness and instead get curious. Yes. And just ask in a kind and tactful way, begin to ask questions regarding the person's thought process, just in order to understand. Don't worry about influencing, persuading, anything. Just understand. Start there. Yeah. Get curious. I love that. Bob, thank you so much for doing another show with us. Love it. I'm pretty sure as you write another book, several books coming up, <laughs> uh, we will keep bringing you back up. Thank you so much. Thank you, my brother. I appreciate you. You've been listening to the Flip My Funnel podcast. To make sure that you never miss an episode, subscribe to the show in your favorite podcast player. If you have an iPhone, we'd love for you to open the Apple Podcasts app and leave a review. Thank you so much for listening. Until next time.